Hi, and welcome to the world's foremost inaccurately titled rum podcast, Five Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum, a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Updegrove. In this episode, I'll taste Ron Matusalem Platino, a silver rum from the Dominican Republic, and then use said rum in a mojito. Um, before we get into silver Dominican rum, though, I would like to uh, add a little bit of follow-up. had a couple of requests for a substitutions page on the 5 Minutes of Rum website, uh, a page where you can go and find uh, substitutions for recipes if you're looking for, say, a Gold Virgin Islands rum and you don't have one in particular, but you might have another um, or if your recipe calls for dark Jamaican rum, what's a good substitute there? So that page is up and uh, is being, you know, sort of updated on the fly. Um, there's uh, some information on some Jamaican rums and Puerto Rican rums up there right now. And I'm continuing to add to there. I think there might be some Barbados information up there as well. Um, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But that is at 5minutesofrum.com slash substitutions. Or it's linked to from the main page under the heading of resources. So... Uh, if you're looking for a, you know, an ongoing guide to rum substitutions, you may look there and see if you can find something that will match what you have in your bar when a recipe calls for a specific type of rum. So specific in this episode is the Ron Matusalem Platino. Dominican rum overall, uh, and particularly silver Dominican rum, is very similar in style to the silver Puerto Rican rum that was talked about in episode two. So like that rum, it's a Spanish-style rum. In this case, it's produced in the Dominican Republic. Uh, a country that shares a Caribbean island with Haiti. Most often, uh, Dominican rum. Most often, when people talk about Dominican rums, they refer to the three Bs, and that would be Brugal, Barcelo, and Bermudez. Those are the big three rum producers in in um, the Dominican Republic. Uh, today, we're not going to be talking about any of those. Spanish style rum is often also referred to as a Cuban style rum. So, regionally and in terms of climate. The Dominican Republic is a very similar region to Cuba. Obviously, they're both in the Caribbean Sea, and they share many you know, characteristics in terms of soil and climate. Um, on top of that, um, on top of the, you know, the actual environment for, for the human element, uh, many Cubans that were fleeing Cuba during Castro's rise of power or taking of power ended up fleeing to the Dominican Republic, and some of those people knew how to distill rum. Uh, so you had people that would set up shop in the Dominican Republic and go back to making what they knew, which was a quality rum in the Spanish style. Spanish and Cuban style rums um, often are just truncated to be referred to as silver rum or light rum. Uh, chances are good that if you see something that says silver Puerto Rican rum, a silver Dominican Republic rum will also fit the bill. Um, there's, you know, just like with silver Puerto Rican rum, there's numerous varieties uh, typically, they're aged, although that aging can vary anywhere from you know months to years, and then it's filtered x number of times, you know two th- two times, three times, four times, and that varies by brand and also by you know type, even within a brand, um, and it usually gets filtered you know num- a number of times to achieve that clear or silver status that people are looking for in a rum. Um, and again, a real, real real quick recap when it comes to naming conventions: if it's a Spanish style rum. Typically, it's going to be titled Ron, R-O-N, because that's rum in Spanish. And typically, in the Dominican Republic, you're going to have a molasses-based rum that is then distilled in a column distill. Uh, Another characteristic um, that Dominican rums have is they're very often aged in white uh, American white oak barrels. So that might set it apart a little bit from a Puerto Rican rum. And then about the Matusalem company in general... Um, the company, the Matusalem company, originated in Cuba and started distilling rum in 1872. 
Uh, this was in pre-Castro or yeah, in pre-Castro Cuba was a very celebrated brand. And then when Castro took power in the sixties, this company left Cuba in exile, much like I referred to before other, other people did that and fled the, to the Dominican Republic or other parts. Um, the people that were making Matu Salem, uh, left Cuba, they were, you know, in, in exile. And then the brand went into a sort of extended period of disputed ownership. A settlement was eventually reached in 1995, so probably 30, 35 years later, that gave control of the brand to the great-grandson of the company's founder. At that time, production moved over to the Dominican Republic, um, and again, regionally, that's a pretty close approximation for them to recreate their Cuban-Spanish-style rum that they were producing before, and then the rum brand was relaunched itself in 2002. So again, the feature rum for this episode is Ron Matusalem Platino, and Platino is Spanish for platinum. Um, on the Ron Matusalem website, which, and I'll link to not only that website, but their, their particular Plantino section of the website in the show notes, um, they refer to this particular rum as being triple distilled and double filtered with a clean aroma and balanced, subtle flavor. So to me, that sounds a little bit like marketing speak for a light-bodied rum. Uh, they also refer to this rum as having um, be, um, is being made in the equivalent of a Solera 3 process. So I'm going to go ahead and interpret that as not being an actual Solera rum. Um, if you recall, a Solera rum is you know a fairly common way of aging and blending rums for, Span- for Spanish-style rums um, and not uncommon for Dominican rums. But in this case, if they're going to refer to it as the equivalent of that process, that probably means it is not that process. Um, they go on to recommend this rum to people who like premium vodkas, which makes sense for this category and their description. Because if you notice in their description, they're talking about this being a, a clean rum, it's double filtered, triple distilled, a lot of the same marketing terms that you'll hear in reference to a vodka. Uh, so they're probably trying to appeal to a vodka drinker with their description of this rum. Um, typically, these types of rums, the silver rums, are not known for having bold flavors, and they're primarily used in cocktails rather than sipped neat. So nothing in particular stands out as being bad about that rum. I think that's just pretty typical of the style. Um, and if you look, I'll link also to the description that's at the Ministry of Rum website, um, and they have a very you know, similar description of this rum, which is a cleared rum distilled from fermented molasses, which again is typical for the region or for this particular style. And then they refer to it as a very clean taste with a slight citrus and coconut tones in the finish. Um, so that's the, you know, sort of uh, overarching description of what this rum is. Um, it is a rum that's bottled at 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume. It's fairly, I believe it's fairly easy to find. I picked this bottle up at Total Wine, which is a, a local Southern California liquor store. And I believe it was 16 or $17 a bottle. Actually, I take that back. It wasn't high time. This was beverages and more, but it was about 16 or $17 a bottle. So pretty reasonably priced for what appears to be um, a pretty good rum. So tasting this rum or, or getting ready to taste this rum, let's talk a little bit about the appearance first. Um, as you might expect for this type of rum, the appearance both in the bottle and in the glass is perfectly clear. Um, there's not really anything else to distinguish it. That's the look they're going for, and that's the look they achieved. Uh, in terms of aroma, um, once you swirl this in the glass and, and take a, a sip, I'm sorry, not a sip, but you know, take a, a smell, um, it is a little bit astringent, especially after you've swirled it. It kind of mixes that up a little bit. Um, so a little bit of burn on the nose. Otherwise, it's very clean. Um, and then maybe way in the back, there's a little bit of fruit lingering in the nose, but you know, nothing that stands out. Mostly it's, you know, I'm smelling a little bit of alcohol and then it's otherwise a really, a really clean smell. 
in terms of tasting, it's, you know, when you start tasting it, cool and crisp uh, when you first start it, and then it moves really quickly across the tongue and then warms the back of your throat. Um, I didn't pick up any particularly distinguishing characteristics, but I think that that's actually what they're going for when they produce this type of rum. And I think it's indicative of the type of spirit that it's trying to be. So I don't, I think that's, they've achieved exactly what they want to achieve. Um, it's pretty easy to sip for this type of rum, which maybe you don't expect for a silver Spanish style rum. There's no real harshness to it. Um, and in terms of finish, I, you know, the finish was pretty quick, some warmth on the back of the throat, like I mentioned before, but it really doesn't linger around too much. So to sum up the experience with this rum, um, I would say, you know, it's clear to me why this rum is so well suited to a cocktail like a daiquiri. It has a very refreshing quality that's well suited to both, you know, to pairing with lime and sugar. And while my personal preference might, if I'm going to sip a rum neat, might be a more full-bodied rum, this rum is actually surprisingly mellow and easy all on its own. I think it's a better sipper than the Don Q from episode two, the Don Q Crystal, which was a silver Puerto Rican rum, which is, you know, not the same exact same region, but very similar in terms of the category. Um, and this one was actually a much better sipper. Um, and a, a thought occurred to me as I was sipping it that, you know, I've had a, a production ginger rum before from a distiller. Uh, but that distiller no longer makes that rum. And I thought about replacing the ginger rum and maybe infusing my own. I think this rum would be a good base for, you know, distilling your, or I'm sorry, not distilling, for infusing your own ginger rum, which is perhaps something I'll take on in a future episode. So the future cocktail in this episode is the Mojito. Uh, the Mojito is a pretty basic drink that's had a resurgence in the last probably 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Um, and while I typically, and this is going to be fairly obvious to listeners of this podcast, I would normally favor tiki cocktails. The mojito is a very refreshing drink um, when prepared with care at home and often a favorite of, of your guests who maybe aren't yet ready or interested to step into something more exotic like a zombie or a jet pilot. So, you know, this is a good popular drink to serve for people who are looking for just something refreshing and don't really need to be knocked out. Um, and I, you know, I primarily came into the mojito and reading a little bit about it by way of a book called And a Bottle of Rum. This was written by Wayne Curtis, and I've linked to this in the show notes. This is a, a really fantastic book. In this book, uh, Wayne Curtis walks through a you know a relatively brief history. It's a, it's a pretty quick read of the quote-unquote new world through the eyes of 10 different rum cocktails, and he works his way through rum as it goes through different ages of the new world, so chapters that are titled Kill Devil, which is a, a name for rum back in you know sort of the... The, I think the 17th, 18th century, gets into things like grogs, flips, and punch. Um, if you have even a passing interest in history and or rum, I would suggest picking this book up. Again, it's a pretty quick read and really interesting, especially with the background that it has on how rum made its way through America's history, through the Caribbean, and then across the country through Prohibition. Um, so the the last chapter in that book is centered around the mojito. And the mojito is a it's a Collins style cocktail that has mint added to it. So what do I mean by Collins style? So Collins is very similar to a highball. Um, it just has an extra added element to it. So typically a highball is going to be a spirit and then some sort of soda. Um, a Collins style is a spirit with an element of sweet, an element of sour, and then also an element of carbonated water or soda. And then the mojito itself, um, the mojito likely originated like other, like, other cocktails as a way to sort of mask cheap rum. So you have a distilled spirit that may not be of the best quality, add some lime, add some sugar, do you get a little bit more, something a little bit more palatable. 
But then if you add in a good light rum and then lighten it up on the sweet and sour, you can let the rum poke through a little bit and still have a refreshing drink that lets the rum, you know, sort of take its place once you have one that's not one, something that you want to hide. Um, and again, the mojito became really popular for a short time post-prohibition, so post-1939 until approximately the 50s. And then it sort of went away for a while and then had a small resurgence in the 80s. Um, and then per Wayne Curtis's book, um, it seems like it really took off again when James Bond asked for one in the 2002 James Bond movie, Die Another Day. Um, since that time, it's become pretty easy to find on on restaurant, you know, restaurant menus, whether it's a chain restaurant or a local restaurant. It's, it's not too hard to find a mojito now, but it sounds like in doing a little bit of research on this drink that at one time that it you know, it was popular and went away and then has since made a resurgence. Um, and, you know, if you go and look it up online, you know, much like the daiquiri from episode two, mojito recipes are omnipresent out on the internet. So the one I'm going to present is my version. Um, two important points on that. The recipe itself is set for a certain size of glass. So using a bigger or smaller glass will necessitate adjustments because part of the recipe is filling it with soda. Obviously, if you're filling something with soda and you have a 14 ounce versus a 22 ounce glass, there's going to be a very big difference in the way that cocktail tastes. And then secondly, this is a really easy, easily adaptable and altered recipe. So if you find that you like to sway the flavor in one direction or another, because when you taste this recipe, it's either too sweet or too sour, it's, you know, pretty basic. And unlike some more complicated drinks like a zombie or a jet pilot, you know, it's really easy to play with and sort of make it your own by altering the proportions. So for my particular recipe, um, I take uh, a 14-ounce Collins glass. And again, a Collins glass, I'll have a picture of this in the show notes, but a Collins glass is a, a tall, rather um, you know small diameter glass. Um, and add in there one ounce of Demerara sugar syrup. Um, you can find that in the Demerara rum episode if you don't have that on hand. You can also use simple syrup. But in this case, I think the extra body, the extra flavor, the Demerara sugar syrup uh, gives it a little bit more flavor compared to a normal mojito. And then one and a half ounces of fresh lime juice, always fresh, never from any sort of bottle, just squeeze that fresh. And then six fresh mint leaves. So once you have all of that in your Collins glass, um, you're gonna gently muddle that together in the glass. So the goal in muddling this is very similar to the goal of when you're spanking the mint, so to speak, for garnish. You wanna break open some of the cells to release the mint's oil, but you don't actually wanna shred it. You don't want you know little bits of mint. You don't want mint going through your straw. You just want to release some of the mince oil so that it can mix in with the other ingredients in the glass. After you've done that, add in two ounces of the silver Dominican rum. And again, in this case, we're using the Ron Matusalem Platino. And then stir that to combined. And then stir that to combined. How about just stir to combine? And then fill three quarters of the way with ice and then stir that and continually stir that until the, until the glass frosts over. At that point, you want to top that with carbonated soda um, I have a picture in the show notes of the seltzer bottle that I use. Um, you can find that on Amazon. I'll probably link to that on Amazon as well. Otherwise, if you have cans of club soda or like a two liter bottle or a smaller bottle of club soda, either way you get your carbonated soda. Um, you want to fill that um, up to the top of the glass and then stir that again to the com to combine. The end result should have, you know, tart. It, sh it should have a little bit of tart. It should have some fizz from the soda. Likely you're not going to taste too much of the rum because of the nature of this rum, which is to be you know, sort of a background player. Um, if you really dial down the other ingredients, you know, you may end up getting a little bit more of that rum flavor, but overall you're probably not going to taste too much alcohol. So in that way, watch out, especially if you're thirsty because 
you're likely not realizing that you're drinking two ounces of rum every time you have one of these cocktails. And on a hot day, that could be, you know, a recipe for either disaster or an early nap. Um, it also, in this recipe, it's not going to be as clear as a restaurant mojito because I've used the Demerara sugar syrup, which is a dark brown. Um, again, you can swap out simple syrup um, as desired if you want. If you're going for a certain look, um, it's going to be a little bit lighter in flavor. I think the Demerara adds a nice flavor to it, but either one of those will work. And now what you have in the glass is an approximation of a Cuban cocktail featuring the approximation of a Cuban rum. So that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of five minutes of rum show links are up on the five minutes of rum website. That's the number five minutes of rum.com. The show is also on iTunes as five minutes of rum there. You can subscribe, rate the show and even leave a review. Uh, a couple new reviews are up. Thank you very much for those of you that have gone to review the, the podcast on iTunes. Um, if you have a chance and you haven't done so, it would help other people find the show. So reviews and ratings do help on iTunes. The show is also on Twitter as at five minutes of rum. So that's the at symbol number five minutes of rum. Please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, and requests that you have via either the five minutes of rum website or on Twitter. And now go get some rum.